Good evening, everybody. Thank you all so much for joining us. It is uh, a few days after uh, the glorious defeat at Wembley. Um, uh, Henry has been so far removed from it that he decided to run to the Highlands of Scotland for some, what was it, some sadomasochistic abuse or, or? Yeah, pretty much. I just like to walk past every pub in the country and see an Italy flag still hung above the door. <laughs> it's, it's just an island one with a lot of red marker on it I'd <laughs> and scott how are you eating as always i mean it's ironic that i mention it but <laughs> yeah i just had a lovely uh, aldi benefit bar which is essentially a special k condensed into a bar always an interesting meal choice whenever you come on here scott is it <laughs> a routine thing or do you, is it just a special for when you come on the pod uh no it's just it's just i just have my tea Around this around this time, <laughs> and, uh, served up with a big fat mug of tea in a mug I uh, shan't mention whose it is because I'm not a big fan of their company. Sports Direct. Uh, yeah, that's the one. <laughs> <laughs> You're the large Simpson of our own podcast talking about what you ate the day before. That's a very sort of acute reference, but I'd imagine we're the sort of audience that has that understands that. But we are gr- graced today. Uh, in London, that is now finally dried out, which is a joke for us down here in the southeast. Martin, how are you? Um, it is a very nice background you've got behind Thanks, you. Thanks very much. I'd like to say it's curated by me, but um, it's literally the only place that gets half decent light at this time of the evening. To, so I'm not sat in a dark corner of the room looking rather uh, depressed. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, pleasure to join you gents, particularly after. England's humbling at the weekend. I think this is a perfect time to get me on. Although, I'm, I, Scott, I'm horrified that you have a hot beverage with your dinner. I mean, that is the most northern thing I think I've ever heard of in my life. Cup of tea, cup of tea, Martin. <laughs> with a chicken, Good, a a chicken nice salad. refreshing brew in, the, in, this, in this balmy summer's evening. <laughs> the only person that goes into Nando's and asks for a cup of tea. That's probably why it hasn't launched in Grimsby yet. <laughs> they've never had to make tea with a chicken salad before. Martin, um, you mentioned about the, the, the England game. So you, you were born in Scotland, but when did you when did you move to like England? At what age? Moved to Cornwall when I was four. So uh, essentially an assimilated Cornishman. But they consider themselves to be a different country down there. It's like very much Celts. Um, uh, so I was very much sympathetic towards England's cause. And uh, yeah, look, watching it, it was just, it, you know, I felt I felt for my mates. I'd watched the semi-final. The pub was absolutely delighted for them to get to the final, but you know the, the antics throughout the day was pretty sobering to watch. And and working at a venue now and, and seeing how people manage, how people get in and out of venues and working with the police and all this very sort of stuff was just slightly depressing, you know. Um, but but there you go. I remember that well, that night of blood apart when we beat Spurs. They had the, the police horses on before you before we were off the pitch. So um, you know, I, I don't think uh, I don't think it was particularly well managed that weekend. I feel sorry for some of the people that went and had a terrible experience. But um, yeah, I mean, I can't complain because Scotland seemed to celebrate more so than anyone when we came down. I think we're part of the third wave. If anything, it's the Scottish uh, contribution to that um, from many of the people that I know that came down and, and celebrated in England. I just assume they're all now in some mass quarantine area in a pen in Berwick somewhere. Just <laughs> waiting to be let back over. <laughs> so sort of re-education facility and yeah, up, up, up in the outer Hebrides. Yeah, probably. How did um? So this is not a question. So when you moved down at four year old, four years old, is it because of your family that you retained a, a Scottish accent then? Because I'm thinking yeah. of John. Have you ever seen John Barrowman talk? 
So yeah, very American. I don't know if he does it for show, but then the second he starts speaking to his parents, it <laughs> switches to like broad Scottish accent. Oh, listen, I'd love to. I'd love to. Uh, I'd love the story to be at four years old. I packed up and moved to Cornwall on my own. Uh, you know, I know we grew up fast in Glasgow, but um, yeah, it was my parents' influence when I went down there. My big brother, my big sister, um, have that sort of just influence on my accent. My accent isn't particularly strong. You're right; it plays a little bit stronger when I speak to other Scottish people. But it's quite hard to go from Scottish to Cornish. It's a bit of a, a bit of a clunky trip, I think, uh, yeah, accent-wise. So, um, yeah, I'd, I um, I slip into the vernacular when I'm down in the pub with my mates down in Cornwall. But yeah, it was quite. Uh, um, yeah, it was quite nice to keep retain something Scottish because I don't remember an awful lot of it at the age of four. Have you ever played football in Scotland professionally? Did you ever move up there to play at all? Or? No. Do you know what? I, I saw when a few players went up, I mean, remember Nick Hegarty when he he he, uh, he flirted with St Mirren for a wee bit, didn't he? And, and I saw like Gary Harkins go back up that era of, of players and just have success and enjoy playing at the top in the top flight in Scotland. In the reality, I'd, I'd love to have gone up. There was just a bit of a disconnect between the people that I knew in terms of representatives, uh, like agents, because a lot of players were taken up there kind of as a, no disrespect to Scottish football, but I mean, last chance saloon for some of them, whereas Gary Harkins is, you know, a Scotsman. So I had a lot of contact in England uh, and all my contacts were from the Southwest. So really, you know, moving to Grimsby was a, was a great one for me to kind of establish some Northern contacts. My real... I really wanted to move over to Manchester way after I'd kind of not worked at Grimsby and Lincoln. I was really keen to get over that way because I had loads of mates in the city, you know, big music fan. Uh, Manchester had loads of clubs around the M60. It seemed like a good place to play football. Uh, so, it, yeah, the Scotland was just one that kind of passed me by, but I'd have certainly loved to have gone up there. I don't want to sound like Dale Ladston, but from Torquay, how did the move come about? And, and, and what type of player, I mean, what type of player are you other than that? But, you know... <laughs> <laughs> what is this from? Is this uh, is, what, what version have you got from Dale? Yeah, this is no, a this is a this is a job um, sort of CV for addicts to try and get in at the club. <laughs> they can't afford me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I mean, how did talking from talking to Grimsby is? I mean, it's a hell of a move. I know it's only halfway back to Glasgow, but it's a. How did it's it massive. happen? Well, Torquay, we'd gone up. Uh, we'd gone up to League One. Um, I'd scored a few goals by around November time, but I still wasn't getting in the team. We did sign Adebayowak and Fenway. We had Leon Constantine coming for 75 grand. I mean, those lads were... So I was kind of forced out on the left-hand side up front, and I was like, I mean, we had a really... We had a really kind of a lot of competition for places. And then I, I basically got an agent. So I, I was on, you know wasn't on great money at Torquay and was waiting for that opportunity. When you got to League One, and I must have been the worst paid striker in that league. And that, I mean, at the time when you're in Cornwall, I'd already been released by Plymouth, obviously. So there's not, there's not so many places to go. If, I don't, if it doesn't succeed at Torquay, so I was, I was looking for an opportunity to get away. Um, and I got an agent, but we're talking like lower league agents, you know, it's kind of better call soul stuff. You know, it's quite funny. They're quite endearing. They look after about 100 players and are best mates with some do- you know, dodgy managers across the country. And then, obviously, Russell Slade pops up. Um, so, no. But Russell, the good thing about Russell Slade is he's brilliant at recruiting, brilliant networker. So he spoke to a lot of these agents. And I was a League One striker. I'd scored six goals, but, you know, six in about seven or eight games. Um, uh, well, I was playing a lot worse than that, let's be honest. Um, uh, but... 
I'd scored goals and they were quite good goals. And I remember uh, frustratedly watching, I think there was one where I flicked over the keeper at Stockport and there's another one that I've kind of, um, basically they were good goals for me. Uh, and they probably sold me a little bit better than, you know, necessarily the, the striker that I, I perhaps was when I was up at Grimsby. I didn't necessarily get to play in the same way. Um, but, you know, I'm sure, uh, I, and I'll tell you the, the actual, well, yeah, the actual crushing blow from my agent uh, uh, years later when when I said to him, I was like, oh, well, you know, when you got me that move to Grimsby, because it, it essentially it kind of got, got me into good wages in League Two and it got me kind of probably what I deserved. But um, I said to him, I was like, you know, what did Slade say when he signed me? He said, what have you got? And my agent said, I've got a big one, a little one. He goes, I'll take the big one. So, I mean, he didn't even, he literally, <laughs> just whatever you've got left. So, I mean, I don't know if agent told me that to keep me in my place, but um, it certainly was a sobering chat and probably indicative of how transfers are done in, in League Two and League One. All I've got the image of is now is Joey's agent from Friends. That woman <laughs> yeah. that used to smoke like night oh, and day. I wish, I wish. <laughs> I, I would have loved her as an agent. She's an absolute, absolute pit bull, a Rottweiler. But, I mean, uh, yeah, my agent, I was lucky if he picked up the phone. So, so Russell Slate, sorry, yeah, go, Mark Scott. Uh, so was it was about Christmas time, wasn't it, mine, when you when you signed? Exactly Christmas time. Yeah, I drove up on Christmas Eve uh, to be greeted. Yeah, that was quite a sobering drive because uh, I had to be there for training the next day. And so he was just ringing me, just going, hurry up. And, I, and driving down the M180 and it never ending. And just been thinking that I'm going to get there soon, I'll get there soon, I'll get there soon, just drive. Drive through the night, trying to get there in time for training in the morning. And then I was last one in. I think I don't know if I've told this one before, but yeah, last one in running to the change rooms and there's, there's just a pile of kit. There's not like kind of wasn't left out in numbers, and I just had to put whatever kit was left. And it was like the, the end of PE kit bins, you know what I mean? It was like one of the socks at all, and I'm just pulling on like I had to wear like a you know just stuff didn't fit, and I'm putting on. And there was one player left in the change rooms. Of course, it was Ashley Sistanovic was in there, and he was going, "Who are you?" And I was like, "Oh." Just signed from Torquay, and he said, "You just signed from F in Torquay." He just started laughing at me and walked out. I was like, "Oh, great! This is a nice, friendly place." <laughs> Subsequently, yeah, Ashley's had his own problems off the pitch, but there you go. Um, then went out to meet the team, and luckily, I had a couple of people I knew. Terry Fleming was someone that I played with at Plymouth. Yeah. He was a friendly face, thank God. Uh, and then did some handshakes around the team, and then just. Uh, then just slightly shuddered when I realised Justin Whittle played for you lot because, or us lot at the time I should say because he just used to bury me and every game I played against Whittle I would never understand I'd never get anything out of him apart from like black eyes just like standing my feet ten times and I was just like my god and then obviously we had like big defenders across the team so I was like this is interesting and then you meet characters like Reddy so I was just looking then going there's there's a there's, there's a, a bit to work with here um, and yeah it was a, an eye opener but. Um, but yeah, it all worked out for the best in the end. Where were you Wait. staying? Where, where did the club put you up in a hotel for Christmas? So, uh, Pete Ferno, bless him, God rest his soul, he put me up in, uh, um, was it, Saint, uh, was it is the Elizabeth, Queen Elizabeth Hotel? Oh, that would have been the, yeah, the old Humber Hotel up near the golf club. Well, this is it. So I'm, at the time, and this is no word, this is no one of those embellished stories i was reading the shining at the time right and i end up staying in this hotel <laughs> this empty hotel i'm oh, it's gospel i had to stop reading it it was ridiculous um i i drive up and it is like kind of it was freezing and obviously you, you hardly ever get snow in grimsey just because the way it is and it? it was just and but there was like it felt like the, the ice the, the the golf club was frozen golf course was frozen so i'm looking out of my window 
and there's no one staying in this hotel. There's like three people in there and they don't want to be there because it's Christmas and it was Christmas Day. And I was just remember I was watching Karate Kid and eating a club sandwich on the bed and just thinking, yeah, this isn't exactly the uh, Christmas, the, the full Christmas experience that I'm after. Uh, you have to leave my family. Luckily, uh, and I've not mentioned it, one of my the saving graces was um, my brother-in-law. Uh, he was in the white, in the, he's married to my sister in America now. And he was in the youth team with Maka. He was in the same youth team in, at Grimsby, uh, Mark White. And his dad, um, John White, was a f- famous player for Grimsby back in the like, 60s, went on to be the commercial manager. <clears throat> now, his family were still there. And Grimsby, he was buzzing, that I'd signed. And they were obviously, couldn't, couldn't, couldn't be more welcoming and kind to me, invite me around for Christmas dinner and, and you know, uh, and obviously looked after me, gave me my first fish and chips while I was in the, the town. So, yeah, after being put out in the hotel, I, I did have some friendly faces. And, um, yeah, it was a warm welcome. Uh, in the end, I'm trying to think of a reference with Fenty with "Here's Johnny." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can't quite get it. There'll be something in there. We'll come back to it, Scott. <laughs> he, he, he heard that Martin was trying to use the uh, the the, uh, the the mini bar in the uh, room, and he was just smashing through with an axe to stop it going through. That'd yeah, be charged to the club. <laughs> oh God! So when I found out, I was like, "Oh, um, how long have I got the the gimmick for? Like a week." And again, that's just another naivety on my part of like, I was just concentrating on the contract and kind of what, while all of them are just like kind of used cars dealers when it comes to contracts, they're like, nah, you're not getting any, pe- not getting half a tank of petrol and you're certainly not getting mats. They were just like, you can have a week in a hotel and find your own digs. So, um, you know, that's the nature of it. And, um, you know, and I'll, as I said, I loved, when, I, when I came to club, it felt like a proper big football club again, Plymouth. Had the same sort of stature, you know, the same sort of stature in the town. Everyone loved it. You know, you pick up the local paper and the teams on the back of it, and that, there's something there's something encouraging about that when you when you move to a town and play football there. Do you not have like some sort of liaison officer, or, or at least anybody? Because even in, in my head, goes, I knew lads in, at home at Christmas. Like, does no one just pick up the phone or drop your message going, "You're right, mate." Like, n- nothing. <laughs> Well, you kind of, I mean, your teammates are always going to do that, but it's more a case those first 48 hours feel like, you know, feel like a week long because you don't know your way around. You don't know people and, and slowly but surely. And it's Christmas because there's no, there's nowhere to go. There's not, nothing to do, you know. Um, you know, I didn't get invited around to anyone's house for Christmas dinner, but I didn't expect to either, you know. Um, I suppose play liaisons. It's nice. It's funny that, though. There's a lot of friendly faces at, at Grimsby and people like Smudge, you know, the... Um, that went on to be the commercial manager, and it's just like a kind of just, just a, a, a good player, good, nice guy, um, and just were like kind of welcoming and just kind of say, oh, if you need anything. But I mean, you're just trying to get your head straight for the game. You know, I think we played played Macclesfield on that Boxing Day, and it was an absolute stinker, nil nil. But they had John Parkin up front for them, and I remember. John Parkin, me and him just bumped into each other before the game because he got there really early. He always used to drive to games on his own, and never like because he lived in. Barnsley, I think. But I mean, you can tell by his accent. But yeah, he would always drive to the. the he was just there early. He's like, oh, you sign for this lot, Grits. And again, with a sort of slightly raised eyebrow that I'd kind of moved from the English Riviera up to um, the North Sea uh, at, at that time of the year. But um, but yeah, no. I, again, I was glad we didn't get off to defeat. Put it that way. It's a it's a really interesting one to think that players just get like you just get thrown in at the deep end. It's you'd like to think it's different from work. But it's not, is it? It's entirely, it's entirely the same as what we we would have. Henry, what were you going to ask? Oh, it's just interesting, like the the Ashley Sustanovich sort of interaction when you first got the club or whatever. <laughs> like, 
it's one of those things you don't really think about in lower leagues, but I guess at our level that we support, you know, the majority of players are changing clubs or changing jobs every sort of one to two years or maybe even more often. And I don't know, I guess you just don't appreciate how difficult sort of that element of it is and like the mental sort of strength that it takes to sort of keep doing it. Because surely, I don't know, on Christmas Day, sat in that hotel, I'd have been like, oh, what the fuck am I doing? The trade-off, the trade-off's always there, and you're always very aware of how like the privileged you are and the opportunity you've got. Because like, well, I've just been saying, so I knew I was going to start. He's going to bring me in. He's going to give me a game. I've got a chance to prove myself. You know, I've gone from, you know, I was on a good contract, so I'm thinking, well, you know, I'm I'm moving in the right direction, and and uh, you're absolutely right. There's uh, things can go wrong, but you always feel like you're. You always feel like you're kind of lucky to be there. And even when you do slip into a little bit of a kind of sometimes, not complacency, but sometimes you're just comfortable at a club and enjoy being there. That's when it's really nice, when you've got a good a dressing room. And we, we did get a good dressing room. So a, lot of, a lot of players moved in that six months between me signing in the summer. And then uh, Russell got his, got his team that he kind of wanted. And players like Gary Jones came in. And much to my disappointment, because he was obviously, he went... And, and started ahead of me and, and I really struggled that pre-season we'd been on a boot camp and I was kind of struggling uh, to make an impression in the games but I was like kind of struggling with my health I had a bit of a virus at the time and I was just like lost my place and then Gary was brilliant and and I know how good a player he was because I remember playing against him over the years and you see him and Reddy force that partnership and then me just you know being supplementary, supplementary to that but also being a part of some great occasions and great nights but you always look back and tinged with a little bit of um regret that I didn't score more goals and, and you know have a little bit more of a run in the team and, and play for a few more years at the club. So then what was two grits. Across, oh sorry across, I was gonna say right, I had I, two grits um because Grimsby bought Junior Mendez about the same time. I think just before you left, was that right? That's I think, yeah yeah out of the two players the fans would have rather have had, had you stay than Mendez. It, it's funny though, but Junior offered something different, didn't he? I think that's the thing. They looked at the team and I was kind of they say that perhaps horses for courses were more of an impact player, maybe off the bench. You're right. Maybe there was there was certainly qualities that I had, but I feel like I needed a bit more of a spark. Something needed to happen. I needed to come on and score in a few games, just even if, if I've been given five or ten minutes. And once you do that, you then get a bit of a rep for it, and you get I get a bit more out of it. I just felt it just fizzled a bit, and I just kind of couldn't get myself back in in the starting lineup. And then I would look and go, Junior. Well, you know, at that time, Junior was. Junior was probably just coming to... I remember how, how good he was and how tough he was to play against when he was at Mansfield at a hell of a side a few years before. So, I mean, I, I mean, he offered something slightly different. You're right. I mean, uh, fans hopefully would have, you know, supported me either way. But, um, yeah, the way it panned out. And then that happened so quick. I mean, he, he found me out to to Lincoln, but that's that's a classic Slade, Keith Alexander um phone call saying who you got do you want to do some shifting around on the day and and you know and that was a you know it was great a great club to go to for me because it was 45 minutes down the road and I got to keep keep living in Grimsby and I didn't get too much grief off people for that which I always thought was going to be a little bit worse that shows you um yeah either how well I got on with people or um how little they were that bothered about me joining a rival Lincoln weren't that big a deal then <laughs> exactly. Exactly. They, that's they, the point. They would never be a threat. Um, <laughs> exactly. Um, when did you move in uh, and live with Nick Hegarty, and what was that like? Oh, Hegarty was a dream. I mean, he. I bought a place 
uh, bought a place in Grimsby and then Hegel uh, just was the lad that, um, what, was he in Diggs with me? I can't remember. No, I think he was in Diggs uh, somewhere else. And I just said to, you know, look, do you want to come in? And he was more than happy uh, to come and live uh, with me. And um, and then I was obviously playing for another team. So it was interesting. So I also kept my hand in with a few of the lads. That way with Gary Harkins and a few others. So, um, yeah, it was always entertaining around at mine. I'm just, I'm still harking back to Ashley Sostanovic coming in after, after his last club had been Scarborough. I know he played a whole two games at Sheffield United, but to come in and be that, that, I mean, you'd have thought he'd been kinder. He's looking for alibis, isn't he? He never, I don't say that word. That's <laughs> a poor choice, Alex. Um, the worst, the worst thing about it was like a few games later with uh, Stanovic because he was just, he had he had everything technically gifted. Just it was a, he was a brilliant, brilliant player. And then um, I remember something happened. No, it was after he got he got sent off, didn't he? He got sent off like I was his shirt. It was, but I can't remember if it was before or after. Anyway, he'd been left out. I think he might have just been put on the bench. And he, he just literally got up in the middle of the team talk, started laughing, and walked out. Just put his wash bag in the middle of while we're all sat there, and then just like laughs, gets in his car and drives home. And we're just like. He's not all there. He's like just either very volatile, but this is just not a, you know, not a good guy to have around. And uh, and and so it proved. But at that time, I'm just like going, why is he? And this was after he'd scored. I mean, like some of the goals he did. He score the Yeovil goal. Was that for you guys? Yeah, uh, he'd been yeah. he'd been sensational when he'd arrived. I was really excited about him. And there was yeah. a buzz about him when he joined as well. I think if if I remember rightly, yeah. it was just a, Thierry Henry's body double, wasn't he? In the yes, yeah, that, that was it. Was that great, in the um, great data point, Scott? <laughs> is that the J? Was that the cage one on the ship with Eric Cantona? <laughs> no, I didn't. I, I, I wasn't trying to make any links. I was just thinking. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, and obviously, I mean, you're quite ingratiated with yourself with the community. I mean, the amount of questions we had going, which is your favourite watering hole in Grimsby and Cleethorpes? Uh, and as a, a Steve, and, and for that, Stephen also added, as a side note, I've always enjoyed your excellent work when on Radio Humberside. So, oh, know. that's very kind. Um, yeah, I love doing the, I love doing the, uh, the, the summarising. It's great fun, particularly. Um, you know, again, to obviously done it with Scott, which was great fun. Done it with uh, JT. Done it um, like, and, and I suppose the Matt Dean back in the studio done some bits and balls with him. It's just nice because it feels. Nice to be involved with the club. I'm so far away from it, but get to, you know, I'm sure we'll come on to some of the players that they've signed because that's, I, I think, a brilliant signings, you know. Uh, uh, and, and those are people that I can comment on and just go, oh, this is, you know, very relevant now. I mean, it's going to be a hell of a season, but it's nice to see people speaking positively about the club, uh, you know, whether it's off the pitch or whether it's just the, uh, the personnel that are, that are there that people can get behind. You do you do other things, Grits, as well, don't you? For like uh, BBC Radio Devon as well, so you get to see Torquay. So you've get you've got to see a lot of the National League as yeah. well. So what, oh. what would you say to Grimsby Town fans? What what sort of state is the National League in compared to what they've been used to in League Two? It's in it's in rude health. Uh, that's the worrying thing. I thought Stockport of a hell of a side. I mean, Torquay were just. Torquay, so many last-minute winners. It, it felt like they they had a charmed uh, existence, and, and when they got to that final against Hartlepool, I still think they were they should have been the better team by a, a long shot. And then Hartlepool just found a way to win that game. That was just insanity with you know 
the Lucas Kovalan, the, the Torquay keeper, six or seven keepers going ahead in the 96th minute, I was just done. I was like, you know, nothing surprises me after that. Um, but yeah, the team's in it. So, you know, uh, Notts County, I, I notorious. I, I never enjoyed playing uh, them when I was at town because that was always a, a tough match. Um, you know, well-supported, big club. I always felt like that was a really good sort of local matchup. Um, they'll be a tough, tough competitors. Uh, teams like uh, teams like Bromley, um, teams that, that struggled further down. Steve, um, I'm just trying to think. Uh, obviously, Sutton will okay. stop or something else. Torquay are going to be, uh, yeah. But Torquay, a funny one, because Torquay are just transient, aren't they? They just seem, it's a lot of pass-through, all the quality players that they get that they just can't keep hold of. And that's the thing. You know what you know it's like yourself at times. You can build a good team and keep it, but the good young lads go quick. They, they seem to go even quicker these days, don't they? So, um um, I, what, how did you feel about when Matty Pollock? What was uh, what's the general consensus among fans with that? Uh, I'm amazed he's really gone to the Premier League. That's per, that's from a personal point of view. I'm very surprised. I think it just shows, like you just said, Martin, just the state in terms of young players now, like just getting gobbled up by any top flight team or sort of category one academy that they've seen him. He's shown flashes. And they're taking a punt on him for what is to them absolutely no money at all. Yeah, uh, and look, look at Ryan Bennett. I don't think Matty Pollock is anywhere in the same league as what Ryan Bennett was at town when he got he only got taken up by Peterborough. So it just shows the money that is around the Premier League where they go two hundred fifty grand or whatever it is isn't anything to us. And if he proves to be a decent signing, then that's brilliant. Um, Did they ever talk about loaning him back? Was that ever part of it? Because that's, it strikes me as one of those ones where he can't, you're absolutely right, going to that level. I mean, Ryan Bennett was, Ryan Bennett was a pure athlete. I remember we used to, um, this is another absolute ridiculous aside. We used to arrange these cricket matches. I don't know if you remember. um, So remember MySpace? So um, Nick Hegarty and, (laughs) um, Nick Hegarty, oh God, I'm sure my there, but Nick Hegarty and, Gary Arkins, we used to, we went down to B and Q. We bought a black bin and just painted three stumps on it, filled it full of like cans of Fosters on a Tuesday afternoon. Went down, just dragged it down to People's Park and uh, just put uh, one of those bulletins on MySpace and said, "Anyone fancy a game of cricket? Come down." And literally, we get like that thirty people come down from all over the place. Um, uh, just half of them. I mean, like Gary Arkins didn't even know how to play cricket. Matty Bloomer turned up in full cricket weights and a helmet. We were playing with a tennis ball. Ryan Bennett turns up. So my point is, Ryan Bennett turns up. He must have been 16, 17. And like, he was just, he's the best quick ball. He was like, it was like Jimmy Anderson, just fizzing them down. And just, we were like, going, all right, mate, it's just no, no professionals. Um, <laughs> and we just, yeah, we just have a few babies. It, it just, it was coincidence that it was a Tuesday night. And then, you know, mine was five minute walk from gullies. But um, it was just, uh, that was a really, that was a really good fun thing. That was such as the innocence of social media there, you know, just as, just a few lads playing a game of cricket in the park, you know, inviting all comers. So yeah. Oh, yeah, I could imagine. Oh, man. Uh, so some of the questions we got asked as well were, um, the, I think I might have heard this, but what was the Slade Ready phone incident? Oh, uh, I don't know. Has this been told publicly? Is this was this who's this who's giving this nugget of? <laughs> it was Scott. I, oh, Scott. Lloyd, I don't, Lloyd, well, I've heard Lloyd tell say it, but I don't know if he told. I you about Lloyd tell it because I've told Lloyd and Lloyd <laughs> yeah, he probably couldn't tell it tell it quicker. Yeah, I think there was all right. Well, 
Oh, right. No, but there's a couple of different ones. I oh, think the, right. one, the one that we can, <laughs> the one that can be told. Yeah, I I'm think the edit we can, we can, yeah, we can definitely, yeah, yeah. Get on Patreon for the, for the additional, <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> tenors in lads. Um, uh, no, the one, yeah, absolutely. So on a night out, yeah, ready had, the um, had the foresight, shall we say, to um, just give give a uh, if, if he was getting chatted up by a girl. Uh, funnily enough, Michael Reddy was a ladies' man for anyone that wasn't uh, <laughs> uh, okay with that. So if we're out and about in town, he, and he decided to give his number out to a girl, um, sometimes he would give his number out to some of the more um, lively ladies. He gave Russell Slade's number out, and and Slade um, just would come <laughs> banging in, just like. Oh, who the fuck's been giving? Who's giving it? My mum misses. He's checking my phone. He's like, "Great to meet you last night." Or birds sending pictures, and <laughs> like two in the morning, or getting these things. And he's like, he's had to change his number like three times. And he's like, "Do you know how fucking much of a ball like it is for a manager to have to change his number? I've got all these contacts. I've got all these." Of course, it was you know a lot harder back then. You had to literally put each one in manually and probably send texts. Probably cost an extra oh, whatever you. to send oh. these tips <laughs> yeah this is it and i'm just going oh there's reds and reds would just be crying laughing with no you know uh, no no understand well he certainly did have an appreciation of how much of an arsehole he was sometimes but he was hilarious could you, could, great could you even imagine though going why is reddy not playing in the final oh well when we're out in cardiff <laughs> he oh, got discovered that- Oh, do you know this is that? That's a brilliant one, and um, that's another one that might not come up. Uh, there was a thing called, it was a, a magazine called Maxim. Do you remember Maxim? So yeah, like yeah. GQ Maxim, and there was this little black book thing. There was like the hundred, and it was like, I mean, this does show this is a very different time. So this would not be PC now, but it was like a little black book of like um, all these women, and you could send in, like, in you could send them a picture or something to get a date with them in this thing. And Mike Red took a picture of himself in the bath and was just like, oh, like moody, and sent it in. And he managed to get a date with one of these girls. And it was only announced by being in the magazine. So we go on the away trip and then open the magazine, Red's is at the back going, right, I've got a date with one of these girls. And basically, I think it was, you get invited to this night out, like Pasha in London or something and get... Um, get a pass to go to the to the evening but there's 100 beautiful women there and you know however many lads have been invited uh, to have a date with them so reg let him go in and then he looks on it and finds out it's like a thursday night and um and we um, we did have swansea the reason why uh, we had swansea the next day and he goes and manager's going you're not going you're not going he's going oh, i won't drink i won't you know i'll just go and and um slade just took great pleasure and crushing that dream for him oh it's just it's the best time Mike, it was just, oh, you missed out on such a cracker. But yeah, no, that one, I completely forgot about that. I'm going to have to try and dig out because in all my clippings, but funnily enough, there's not loads of great goal scoring exploits in, in Grimsby, but there was, there's, I probably would have kept that Maxim page in there somewhere. So if I ever do find it, or That's if someone wants to go through all the, the copies, they'll find Ready in there somewhere. We should, for the Broadly game, we should, we should charity, like, you know, <laughs> auction it off. <laughs> <laughs> As long you as just, Russell Slade's just, number. Um, <laughs> just, you just refreshed something in my mind. Thomas Pino. I'd forgotten all about him. How can you forget was, about Thomas What was Pino? the um, the bloody Frenchman incident like from the dressing room perspective? Uh, so I'd, the most annoying thing is I came, I, I came off at two, we were 2-0 up. So I'd got an injury in my back. I see, I remember these things because I'd like, 
it was the relief. I remember I'd gone down, I'd set up the first one for Parky. It was, you know, whipped in across. It was a good ball. I was like, ah, oh, that was good. And then Jason Crow gets one. I'm pretty sure we're two up. And then Stefan Oak scores just two worldies. And Reddy and Pino were the two lads that had come on. And I felt, I did feel for them because just nothing seemed to go right. And I think give away a foul and they get the free kick. But he bent his free kicks in from like 40 yards. Um. And that, the, that bloody Frenchman incident was either the aftermath directly or it was the next, because we were in the next morning, I'm pretty sure. Or they were, were they dragged in on their own? I think they might be dragged in on their own specifically. So yeah, it was, I would imagine Russell was angry for quite a few days after that. And I'm fairly certain it was on Mariner's, what was it called? The TV chatting off thing? With the oh, website. Mariner's World. Mariner's World. <laughs> the little... As as Slade's phone is still vibrating off the table behind him. <laughs> Do you know what? I, yeah, I mean that was a that was a real turning point and a breakdown in the relationship because Thomas was a fantastic player as well, but I think he was finding it hard. He couldn't get in that team because he's not a four four two sort of player, you know. And it was just you know we was better having more industrious midfielders in the centre and then maybe bringing him on as an impact player. But you bring him on and then you can see too, it's, it's only going to go one way with the manager. Yeah, I can I can really imagine actually. Uh what was the other ones? Let's have a quick look. I'll go through the proper questions. Uh apparently Michael Reddy had weird keep your piece. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that again, oh God, this is just turning into me giving out gossip on Reddy, but even more <laughs> mortified, I'm surprised you would probably give me some stick for this. He used to do this thing when a player'd start and he'd be like and obviously when you just say and you're like nervous and you come in or, or you're just like whatever and he's goes, yeah can you do this though? can you do this can you do this and he'd literally get the ball and he just bounce he bounce it under his foot like that like just and he go can you do 50 of these I'll give you a grand I'll give you a grand can you do 50 of these and they're like not just like bounce in between it was like you have to bounce up and down and he could do it he would just do it straight away and rattle it off and then obviously some of them that were quite confident would try it and then cock it up because it's literally impossible I don't know how he does it um, uh, or ones would just like not even entertain it and th- those were the ones I was like yeah just don't get involved we're ready he's just a wind up match and, but yeah, I used to do stuff like that They're just constantly just constantly on the wind up this, this one is anonymous so I don't this might just be a, a, oh god so this is would you prefer bowling and a curry with Mark Goodfellow or cinema and a pizza with Gary Cohen? I don't know if that's of any, is that just a. If... I think that's just a general. Cause I okay. don't know. I don't know. Good, I don't know Mark Goodfellow beyond Fine. that he came in after. But I'd be Gary Cohen. Cause I get, I get on with guys. Well, but yeah, no, there's nothing in that one. I don't think. And, and, and here's a proper one from Chris Packett who said, this is a proper question. Who was your best player you played with at Grimsby that you thought would go all the way? Uh, up the leagues, I guess, is what he meant. Ooh, well, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd have hoped, I'd have hoped Red would have had a better run at it. I thought, I mean, Gary Cohen, interestingly, there, there's a player with so much potential. You know, both of them blighted by injuries, which was unfortunate. Ironically, one that perhaps when I first came to the club, I, I, I didn't think we would be able to, you know, get in our team, let alone anywhere else, is Rob Jones, who went on to be an absolute legend. And I was, couldn't be happier for a, a one player that, dedicated himself and had a focus and was a hell of a teammate during that spell. So, um, um, yeah, I mean, I'd so say those guys. What, what do you think was the difference then for Rob Jones between his first season and his second season at town? Because it really was sort of night and day. Like his second season was just so incredible. 
Yeah, he went to he went to a sports psychologist, and he used to do have a pre match Graham ritual, and he just changed his whole, you know, outlook. And I think by him changing, he wouldn't speak to you before a game; he'd just be in the zone. Whereas before, I think he was genuinely quite. Uh, quite a nervy player when he first got there and he was just like kind of looked as though he was second guessing himself and if you could get inside his head you know you'd get him a kick it into the stand or he'd just panic and do something and then I think he just realised these are the things I'm good at spoke to I'm, I'm pretty sure he spoke to a sports psychologist because we were all it's, it doesn't take long for a player like that to then become a talisman you know and when you're standing next to him in the tunnel you don't make you don't take the piss at uh, players like that when when they're on your team, you're, you're buzzing that you've got someone like that. But yeah, he did go a bit Rain Man for a bit and uh, just just uh, tunnel vision. And we were like, whoa, Jones, he's taking it seriously. I mean, if Tony Crane had taken it seriously, I bet he could have been some player as well. But, you know, so every Rob Jones is a Tony Crane. <laughs> Rob, he also had a better goalkeeper behind him, Martin, like in Steve Mildenhall. I was just going to say, um, Mildy was one. Mildy was one. team as well. Yeah. Mildy's, Mildy's another example of a player that you, you could see him playing at the highest level. You look at players around other good goalkeepers, Matt Gilks, all those sort of guys that were playing at our level for that, and you would say Mildy, and you're like, well, there's nothing there's nothing in it. You could see Mildy playing Championship or Premier League football. Um, if he got the opportunity to, he had that kind of, um, he had that quality. I never thought he'd break our hearts as well. <laughs> he broke a few hearts, Mildy. There you go. <laughs> Coming on in that playoff final for the penalties. Oh, I'm going to get some sort of Narm-like flashbacks. Um, Right, this is the one Lloyd one we got. Ask about that Bell and Sebastian quote by Cod Almighty. Oh, Lloyd Lloyd gets everywhere, doesn't he? He's even getting to infusing into this blooming podcast. He is the omnipotent, the omnipotent man. Uh, (laughs) um, No, as a nice I assume he thought we could get him England tickets or something. (laughs) <laughs> it didn't it didn't look like he struggled to get them by the way but uh, but I know the Bell and Sebastian quote something I love from Cod Almighty it was like out of all the out of all the like prayer profiles I've had over the years and all the various other things it was Pete Green I think that wrote it and he just wrote he wrote, uh, he'd written a few things that were kind of nice in the, and that he was like oh well, the jury's out it wasn't scathing and he finished it off. It's all oh, Martin Gritton seems like the kind of the only player that I'd ever I've ever watched that would perhaps listen to Bell and Sebastian. And I listened to a lot of Bell and Sebastian at the time. So I was like, oh, this guy gets me. This guy really gets me. And uh, yeah, I used to bang on to Lloyd about that when I was pissed. But um, but yeah, uh, <laughs> and that that's a nice one from Lloyd. He could stitch me up, so I'll give him that. Uh, I'm just trying to think of yeah. No, I'm I'm thinking of the wrong one. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I guess Grimsby doesn't really have. Obviously, Gullies was a very famous place for you. Sadly, you know, sort of not what it once was. I mean, you can move your feet off the floor now. They don't, you know, your feet don't stay it's still. still called, is it still called Gullies? It is, but it's had a makeover, I think. I haven't, I, I can't go back in there. <laughs> like the only way I'd go in there now if there's a kid's meal involved or something like that, just in, in the middle of the week. But I mean, was that the, was that the only place? Like, I guess the barge was a bit. Uh, Baj was great fun on a, a midweek of O'Neill's. We would obviously O'Neill seemed like the place to go, wasn't it? Down, if you were still if you're still looking for a drink on a Sunday, you could go in and do some <laughs> karaoke and reflex, uh, bang out some bang out. But I remember Simon Ramsden uh, used to enjoy Bat Out of Hell on the dance floor uh, in reflex. And 
Where else? I mean, uh, Willie's. Is Willie still there? Knocking about? Oh, it's a nice boozer. There's a yeah, couple of boozers still, down that still way. There. Is it Smugglers? What's the one near that? Is it Smugglers? No, the Smugglers Inn, yeah. yeah. The smugglers Inn. Like Smugglers. No. No park lane on a Tuesday night then. Oh, Thursday night, sorry. Ooh. That was a bit was that was a bit too that was above the the arcades at Cleethorpes. So you know when Ooh. you've got the pier right in front of you, it's just to the left. The only reason ah, I remember yeah. is I used to work at Morrison's and you got paid on the last thing on a Thursday. And bang on midnight it would go in. So you'd have all these sort of part-time Morrison teenagers waiting at the like 2359. Right, go. <laughs> Oh, who, who, was, who was me? Like, who was we? Like, Grits, who was your little group for like part of Cleethorpe Social Elite? I'm a social Elite. How, how dare you? Um, uh, I don't. I was lucky enough. I made I made some good mates off the uh, off the pitch. So uh, a few lads who um, I won't dig out now. I'm still mates with them now, actually, and they were the ones that kind of. Uh, I actually would sometimes go and help them out on a five aside on a Sunday down at the leisure centre. Uh, just to you know, top up my fitness and have a pint and smugglers with them afterwards. Um, uh, Dave so, Pye of Telegraph was he out with you? What's that? Dave Pye. Oh, big yeah, the Pie Man. Uh, Pie Man was always good, good crack. But we would just end up sitting chatting about football. He's Pie Man's great. Was great company for a um, for an old man's pub and a, and, a, and watching the game or something. But yeah, obviously Nick Hegarty. I mean, um, who else? God. It, it, I should have written, I should have done some homework because uh, it feels like a blooming <laughs> long time ago now. Um, but yeah, no, I mean that first the first incarnation was like uh, Ramsden Hockless. Remember Graham Hockless? He was a lot, he was a great lad. What a, what a player he was! I mean, there's some there's there's someone that had everything going, you know, and you just wonder how it pans out. I was just I've been listening to Pat Nevin's uh, autobiography and just hearing how he was like, yeah, just didn't fancy it. And he was like a record scorer for Celtic when he was a kid. And you just see you know, how many players were like that. You know, obviously he got back into football, but Hawkless and, and players of his ilk that don't quite, you know, either get to fulfil their potential or, you know, get the opportunity. I was, I was heartbroken when Hawkless, there was, a, there was, a, there was him and then David Soames in sort of a short burst yeah. of time. That were both so talismanic, and they were just like these lads will start. If these lads are there next season, we're going to be, you know, on it. And it just never materialised. Well, they were they were good enough players. Yeah, they're an archetypal example of why it our football is so cruel. Because Slade, they're just not Russell Slade players. I mean, Parky showed you how good you had to be to be small and get in Slade's team. You could get away with it maybe for playing out wide. Barco wasn't a winger, and Digger was probably a striker. So, I mean, you know, unless you're going to play them off other guys and then, um, you know, he wasn't going to, neither of them are going to get out uh, in front of um, uh, Reds or, or Gary uh, Jones. So, it's, yeah, just brutal, absolute cruel. And it happened to, I mean, look at Danny, um, uh, who am I, uh, help North. me? Danny North. Yes, Northy. Danny, Danny was um, like, Danny was like Wayne Rooney in training. He was 15. He was knocking people around. He was like bullying Rob Jones. He was unbelievable. And and you're going, when's he getting a chance? When's this kid's going? This kid's got to get a chance. And then you're thinking, he's got to. And then you just hear the crap that happened to him off the pitch. And you know, not getting. He's on the basic wage. He's the number nine, and he's scoring goals. And he's just like treated like crap. And you think, well, no wonder, no wonder local people that are my friends and family of his are 
you know, local businesses that are sponsored them and looking at the way that people like that are treated, that that that's the lifeblood of clubs like Grimsby, I think, and indicative of, you know, either the ownership or the direction of the club when, you know, they don't value things like that. I mean, I, that, that might be quite a sentimental view, but I'm sure there's a lot of fans here. I mean, the way you talked about Hawkless and Diggerts, exactly, that's that's the kind of players that, you know, would, would uh, energise our fan base. I just remember absolutely loving them, and and sort of when when you did you know when because I I can't remember when you left town. I I was always quite happy for you to be like. There were times this season when a guy with a striker was brought off the bench, like oh well, that's that's it. still staying <laughs> Grimsby nil then. Um, but um, I mean, what was it? Just did it just not happen? I I don't know the story behind that. It was overnight. It was just. Literally just last day, it was it was transfer deadline day, and and uh, Lincoln just offered me an extra year. They said, "Come here, I'll give you," because I had, you know, I had a yeah. They just offered me an extra year on my contract, and um, and uh, Russell was just like, "Look, this offer's on the table. Do you want to take it?" And I couldn't not take it at the time. So I wasn't playing, and you know, everything kind of fitted for it. I, little did I know that I'd go down the road, and you know, Lincoln had ten strikers, and Keith Alexander. If there's one thing he loved, it was like rotating his front line. Uh, he rested me for 18 months. I had the best rest of my life when I was down there. It's just, it was like, I think I've, I've rested enough now, Gaffer. Um, but, uh, and then bumped into him again at Macclesfield, but that panned out a little bit better for both of us. But, um, good good uh, nightclubs in Lincoln. Eagle, three trebles for singles. You know what? Drove straight back. <laughs> Couldn't get back quick enough, Alex. Straight <laughs> oh, back to Gullies. Yeah, I mean that is you know ticking. That is not that is not pandering at all, there, Martin. <laughs> hey, when 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 are you on the campaign trail? <laughs> listen, listen. If you you could walk from my house to, I mean, you could roly poly from my house to gullies. Um, uh, so it, it was much nicer than being stuck in Lincoln. That's for sure. I wasn't getting paid that. <laughs> wasn't getting paid enough to stay in an Ibis for the night. Do you know what I mean? Just for the sake of a beer. It's Queen Elizabeth or nothing else. Correct. Yeah. The overlook. Um, <laughs> who was it? Actually, no. You say that Giles Brandreth. I don't know if that even rings a bell. He he's. He tweeted something once from the Queen Elizabeth Hotel going, guess where I am? You won't get Grimsby, because I think he just took a picture of the golf course behind him. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah I just That's the only time I think that's ever been mentioned outside of, you know, we're not staying here. <laughs> well, I, I mean, it was, I'm not going to besmirch the hotel. It was, well, it was more <laughs> just the kind of the whole, the whole setting. It's, so, um, yeah. Sorry, just, um, just to change it up just a little bit. Um, we spoke a little bit about the clubs that we're going to face going forward. Um, but obviously we've signed, what, eight or nine players now, Alex? Um, Martin, you've covered a fair bit of the lower leagues. Do you know who we've signed? Is there anyone that you've seen that we've signed <laughs> yeah. that stands out as being like a good signing? Who we should yeah, look out for next season? I didn't, well, I didn't realise you'd signed Ryan Taylor. I didn't realise you got him. I, what a player he was at Plymouth that just didn't get, didn't get a chance. Had a couple of really nasty injuries. Um, he was playing under Derek Adams there, and Derek Adams is a very hard man to please, but he had Freddie Ladapo up front. And then just kind of, because he didn't want to lose games, he wouldn't play anyone up with him. And I would just watch Ryan Taylor festering on the bench. Ryan Taylor is one of, he's a brilliant link-up man. He, he, he's he got physical presence. He's, you know, wins his headers, but he holds up the ball, brings other players into the game. I mean, him and Lenny up front. I mean, look at Joel Grant as well. Another really, really good signing if it works out. This is always the way, isn't it? You sign players like that that come from high levels, uh, strikers. But Ryan Taylor's got the, the full skill set. I've seen him, and I'm not just saying this. I, I genuinely was 
kind of bemused at Plymouth when he just wasn't getting given a chance. And then it kind of is, it passed him by when Ryan Lowe came in. So I just thought, well, that's that's him done because he brought in his own players and and that was that. Um, but I think hopefully he'll if he can stay injury free, he'll be he'll be a great uh, leader of the line for you guys and and play up front well with Lenny. Um, I don't know I don't know any of the other uh, where else on the pitch. I don't know who you've lost. I saw that I saw a couple of pieces in the in the Telegraph just saying about um, players that have got big seasons ahead of them, and that's probably there's probably a, a big jury's out section of the team, isn't there? That have got a point to prove either with Hurst, Hurst with themselves or with the fans. So um, I'll be interested to see how some of them respond to to dropping down. Yeah, Sean Scannell's probably the the one for me where, you know, he's played in the Championship for a lot of his career as a Huddersfield for years. And I'm absolutely amazed he's still with Grimsby, really, and he's still in pre-season training. It looks like he's in Paul Hurst's thoughts as well. He wasn't on the release list, was he? No. Or the free-to-go list. What, so there's um, there's five players, Martin. I think still left at the club where they it was announced on the website, and Hurst has said, you know, these players are free to leave on a free transfer. Oh, no. yeah. uh, Alex has listed them there, and a few of them, like Ira Jackson, have said that they're going to stay and fight for the place. Do you think in that situation that they've got a chance in terms of fighting for the place and? Like, what would your mindset be in that situation? Because it must obviously be quite difficult. Oh, it's impossible, isn't it? I mean, if a manager says he doesn't want you and they're going to release you, uh, I wouldn't say that that... I'd say that's gone beyond the point of mind games. I'd say that that's something more... Uh, uh, these players don't have places to go. So if the manager's happy enough for them to be there and competing for a place, never hurts the club unless they're bad lads or bad, bad apples, you know? So if the manager's happy for them to be there, but he doesn't really take uh, suffer any fools, does he? Uh, Paul. So um, I would I would suspect that um, he'll be focusing on the lads that he's brought in and trying to uh, motivate them and maybe find uh, find a good outfit because you've got to hit the ground running in the the, the National League. Uh, you know, Torquay were winning from the get go and they just it never seemed to end. It was just like an endless battle for them. And you know, I, I thought they were the best team and they came second. You know, they came second by a couple of points. Just Sutton, we'll see how well Sutton do next year. They're a very good team, but they were set up to play on that 4G pitch. Um, so they're going to have to lay some grass down and, and, and play against teams a different way next season because they did know how to play well on the 4G pitch. I don't care what anyone says. It's a different experience. If you're playing week in, week out, um, you, you know, and they just compressed the game, had good strikers that would get in behind. But Torquay still beat them on their own park. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of good, there's just a lot of good teams in that league. Um, to Grimsley, you know, they won't have time to necessarily gel because you find yourself mid-table, um, you know, just just by getting a few wins and draws, and you, you know, because the teams at the top are winning every week. It just feels like you've, yeah, you've either got to get a hundred, you've got to aim for hundred and three points, or you've got to go into a playoff final where a keeper's going to score a header in the ninety-six minute, and those forty-six games are pointless. <laughs> it's brutal, and I, I put, I put a good bit of money on Notts County getting up this year because that that club's getting. It's not like they it's not like they're getting weaker. It's you know, they're, they're working out what they need to do. I mean, they've lost a couple of players, but they brought a couple of good ones in. They signed one of uh, Torquay's best players. Um and so I, I I think it could be interesting. We'll, we'll what, are your, what are your thoughts on uh, Rex and Martin and Ryan Reynolds? Do you think yeah, it's a but, or should we be taking them seriously? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Rex are always a dangerous club, aren't they, in that league? If they get, get going right, they're never that much fun to play because they've got big crowds, well-invested. Um, they just need to be 
better organised. That stuff off the pitch, it's a great PR story, but the nuts and bolts of the National League, I mean, I, I don't think Ryan Reynolds is going to be given any transfer list, is he? He's going to be, he, you know, he's going to be there as a, a slight distraction. But um, the group, you know, Wrexham are as expectant as any other team in that league because they'll, they'll, they'll want results on the pitch. So, um, you know, they always had decent resources, didn't they? But it depends how much money gets put in. It's, I think that it feels like their fans are waiting because I think they've only signed three or four players at the moment off the top of my head. They've been not quite slow, aren't you? That season's only just finished. Do you think the, the, early, the early business, because I've never found town to be a team that for three or four weeks before the season, everything's done. We've got maybe one addition to add. It was always last minute transfer <laughs> transfers or, you know, who's have you, I've got a big one or a short one, as you said. Well, they're lucky. I mean, the, uh, an actual fact coming down because a lot of players will think, well, they've got a chance of going straight back up. Plus, their season finished so much earlier than the National League teams that Paul's been able to plan, you know, and being able to pick and choose some people. It's just whether they've been given decent um, budgets to get these players. And I'm assuming that they have because they've brought in some really good players. So um, it's, it's a serious bit of business. It's just an expectation on the guys now to perform on the pitch. There's a lot of opportunity for work. What eleven teams down our way? It's going to be a bit, going to be a busy old busy old season, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I mean, it's uh, <laughs> it's good to have good teams in around you though, because it's there's always a bit of backwash at the lads that that can't can't get in teams. I mean, we, I don't think we sat, we didn't send Gary Jones until like the, the week before the season started, much to my annoyance. But um, you know, what signing that was, it turned out to be, and it was it, that shows you you can pick up great players just before the season. I mean, so what you're saying is that you can have a successful season with just one pre-season game. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I have looked at the fixtures list, uh, new, but um, yeah. Uh, uh, is that all you guys have got at the minute? Uh, no, that was what we had last season under yeah, Holloway. There you go. We had, uh, yeah, we played Cleethorpes and that was it. We've got quite a few at the moment, I believe. I mean, apart from Macca's testimonial and, and the like, there's, there's a few. We've got one coming up. Our first one on Saturday. Uh, which will be quite quite a nice thing to to experience. Hopefully, it won't go to penalties. Um, I mean, I've got to ask you something about four G pitches. Do you think it should go into the to the football league, or do you think that's a good break where it needs to be that sort of level, or is it? Well, I think it has. To, unfortunately, I think it has to go in the football league now, just because clubs aren't self sufficient. I think it's such a good money spinner. It makes half a million quid a year for teams. It probably gets about half a million quid investment from the government, a local community. So you're basically straight away, you're a million quid up at teams that just don't have any income. Also, you've got community. I totally agree. And aesthetically, I would rather not have championship and Premier League teams playing on 4G, but League Two and League One teams. Plus, you've got young lads playing on it, local schools, local clubs, even the youth team coming through. If you're a kid and you get to play on... Grimsby's actual pitch and it's 4G but it is their actual pitch and you're like oh do you know what I'm going to support this club I'll buy this shirt I'll go get a season ticket I'll make my mum and dad come to the game those sort of things you, you breed generations of supporters I think those sort of things are what low league clubs they need some sort of financial solution because a lot of them are up against the wall right now and I don't think the full horror of that's been perhaps realised but yeah I think clubs need to find a way to make money so you know I, th- I felt sorry for Sutton after rip the pitch up because you know it, it it was, you know, it was a, a tough thing to do and financially it's quite crippling. That's two, two, two seasons on the trot because Harrogate has to do it last, yeah. last year as well. But Harrogate seemed like a club that, you know, almost geared up. I, I, well, I don't know how they are financially, but, um, you know, that 
Uh, I know Cy Weaver from, he was a, I think he was a Lincoln, um, you know, for many years and great guy and, you know, probably had a, a, we switched on to making that. I think Sutton looked as though they were just, they couldn't believe that they'd won the league. So, you know, um, I'm sure they've had to prepare for it at some point that season, but, but yeah, probably caught them a little bit more by surprise than, uh, than Harrogate. Did you, um, I mean, before we, I mean, before you go, we have to we have to listen to the multi-ball story again because I've heard that and it's so good. Uh, but I'm, I'm sure there are other stories that don't involve Michael Reddy. Uh, <laughs> um, how was how was the season after the playoffs? Was that were you surprised by that? Were you was the mood the same? Was it you know I don't I don't know. Was it? Uh, I'm really struggling is- for that one to 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 hone that question then yeah did, no, did, it, mean, did it hit are you talking about because uh, time because i i was done so i moved enough oh, yeah, so um i oh, suppose God. my my well my sympathies with the players because lincoln that was another one for lincoln oh yeah before. of course it was but i was we got to yeah it was well it was a ridiculous situation for me because i'd been or well, that was the following season I, I i'd been lincoln had loaned me out to mansfield for six months and then I come back expecting to go on my summer holidays and they go, no, because they were in you know, all, all to cock. They were like, oh no, you can come back and play. I was like, I'm playing for six months at this club and now you want me to play against Bristol Rovers and played in just an absolutely mental game. Ended up being 7-4 and uh, yeah, Lincoln missing out in the playoffs again. Yeah, I think that was an absolute sucker punch with, um, uh, didn't Slady go straight away? Did Slady go to Yeovil straight away on that one? Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's just, but the, that shows you the attention was off the pitch again without it being on the pitch. And then players like Reddy having to, you know, having in, injuries that didn't get looked after properly by, you know, the the board and various other things that just cost the club. Yeah, I mean, that that's psychologically a very difficult thing to overcome. You're absolutely right. Fin- playoff finals are, are never nice, but that one was particularly galling, I would imagine. Slade was on such a, such a good run because I remember then the next season, he was we Yeovil and they, they beat Forest in the semi-finals for the playoffs and all yeah. of a sudden Yeovil are banging on the door for the for the championship. It was incredible. Yeah. And he took JP Kalala with him. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I didn't see that coming. You know, another of your former teammates, what, what was he like? What was he like off the pitch as well? Because I remember right. seeing him in the pier once. Listen, he's the, only player, <laughs> he's the only player that I've seen that trained with a pair of headphones in. I mean, the guy was, uh, he was a character. Um, but the lads give him enough stick to be fair. He scored some absolutely great well, scoring the goal, I suppose, that would make him iconic. And was that, uh, the, was that the highlight of your Grimsby career, Martin? The the, be, the win against Spurs? Being involved in that, of course, that was huge. Um, being involved in, uh, um, I mean, we had a, a, you know, domestically, I think, didn't we beat Notts County 4 0 after that game as well? And that was just a, such a good night because I've just, scored, everything, yeah, nothing went wrong. Like, Everything I touched that night seemed to come off one of those games. And I was just like, you know, it, it felt like a great time to be at the club. So, yeah, fond memories of that. I was just trying to find what the results of the games were after that. Hang on. Let me have a look. Yeah, we beat Notts County 4 0. I remember it. JP, uh, Kalala scored another worldie that game, didn't he? Yeah, I, I scored what? I scored an absolute belting volley, got disallowed. And then I scored a, a follow up header. Um, just an, and then I set like. A, Roll one into Newey. He's whipped it across. Gary Cohen got across in the stick. But yeah, Kalala's goal in that game. Whoa, absolutely hammered it. Oh yeah, because yeah, that was why. Because it was Boston the game immediately after. Drew one one. Yeah, yeah, that was a real battle. And then and then we and had Gaza that. Was there? Was Gaza there then? I've got a feeling. 
was Gallagher there? Something. Yeah, I think to, he was. I don't yeah. know if he was playing, but yeah, they had some. Uh, they, they had some good players. Noble. They had, they had some. They had some handy players at Boston. It was a horrible place to go. Steve Evans. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, I don't know if man. that was the game. I don't know if that was the game when he was kicked out of the stadium by the police for giving the main stand abuse, uh, which was I've never seen that since. Did you I think know that was later on that one, Alex? Was it? Just, I think he was merely sent off that game. All right, fine, fair yeah. enough. I mean, it, I, the guy held his own then. Earlier about Love Island, but <laughs> <laughs> no, God, come on, Scott, you know me better than that. <laughs> there, was, there was a point. We'll end there. Then there was a point. It was when. Um, Stacy Coldicott's ex-wife went into Big Brother. Uh, I wow. don't know. If, I don't know if he was. I don't think he was at the club when you were there, but he was certainly. I love Stacy. Absolute legend. Uh, yeah, yeah. Nothing but time for that man. And another absolute. The kind of guy you turn around, you see him in, your, in the tunnel next to you. You know, you've got an absolute warrior there. Fit as a butcher's dog. Uh, yeah, what a player he was. Top man. Yeah, brilliant. Well, thank you very much, Martin. Uh, go enjoy Love Island. <laughs> And, uh, yeah. Yeah, listen, chaps, I'm glad uh, once once you've forgotten all these stories, I'm sure I'll be glad to come back on. But um, but yeah, no, <laughs> pleasure pleasure to join you, Henry, uh, Alex, and uh, Scott. And I'm sure I'll be uh, I'll I'll uh, I'll be I'll be keeping an eye out for you boys this season. And yeah, if you, if you need any last minute sort of reporting on if they're playing Torquay or various other things, I'm sure we'll be back in touch. Oh yeah, absolutely, no problem. If we need a tour of the uh, Olympic Stadium, is that? If we, need, if we need a tour of the Olympic Stadium, is that all right? Absolutely. If you want to come down, I'll show you around any time, mate. I'll tell you, we've already done a staff building exercise on that bloody slide. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, there you go. On the orbit. Love yeah. that. All right. See you all later, right. Cheers, Martin. Martin. Thank you.